Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richards Cafe, TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes, ATB Painting, and Performance Food Group. Poor Richards Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richards Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. This podcast is also brought to you by TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Ragland and Devin Hasen. And gentlemen, it is playoff time for high school football, <laughs> and let's talk about it. Uh, first off, a uh, big shout-out earlier today from uh, Poor Richards and uh, Sonia's Pies and Treats for swinging by the Star Local Media offices to drop off uh, some salted caramel pie, as well as uh, some uh, what pancakes, some bacon. Oh, man, everything. Sort of, uh, works. All everything. Sorts of, uh, of breakfast <laughs> and, uh, and dessert goodies to get us uh, to get us started off on the uh, on the work week on the right foot. Yep, we are suckers for, uh, for all things pie around here. I've already broken into mine. I'm like halfway through my piece. I cheated, but man, it's... Uh, it's good stuff. That's a solid pie. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so let's uh, let's uh, segue right into uh, into some high school football talk, gentlemen. The time has arrived after uh, eleven weeks of the of the regular season. It is now time for the tournament. We know who the uh, who the participants are going to be. Plenty from our markets, and we're going to devote uh, this edition of the podcast to breaking down the uh, the playoff picture within the Star Local Media markets and. With uh, with Taylor with Devin, obviously let's uh, it makes some sense to focus on Class Six A yep. start at least at the very least in Region Two because we got plenty of horses in the in that race including a rematch yeah from non district a rematch that was uh, all the way back in uh, in September when <coughs> Metroplex was just being ravaged by rainfall and yeah. <laughs> sure enough this game was one of the uh, one of the culprits I was I was out at this game uh, playing with Saxy as we're what we're talking about on um, a game that was, you know, I think uh, I think Friday in the first round rematch. It's fair to say it was probably a bit of a different backdrop to this game than oh, it yeah. was all the way back in September. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this matchup. Definitely one of the more uh, one of the more higher profile first round matchups in our coverage area. Uh, Devin, a Saxy team that has uh, has a very different look to it from the uh, from back in September. <laughs> this is a very different Saxy team uh, and a, a Saxy team that is flying high after last week in their much-anticipated showdown with Rowlett's, uh, the big rivalry game that we thought was going to come down to the wire. We all picked, you know, mm-hmm. we were talking about this game the last week. It was going to be a one-score game, and then Sexy just goes out there and demolishes Rowlett. Yeah. Unexpectedly, 48 nothing. Mm-hmm. a game that was every bit as dominant as the score indicates. And... Um, Again, you mentioned a different look. This is a Saxy team that had struggled trying to find a quarterback early in the season. They went through three different players. They finally decided to move uh, their wide receiver, their star wide receiver, Derrick Rose, back to quarterback where he he kind of dipped his toe in the waters as a freshman and got okay. some experience there. But he's really stepped in. He's He has the ability to throw the ball, but is with his legs as well. And, you know, it's just adding him to that backfield along with Miles Nash, along with Torrey Washington, along with K.J. Williams. This is a group that ran for over 400 yards mm-hmm. last week against Rowlett, and that's really kind of been their identity. That's what Coach Fred Barron's has said. We didn't have an identity early on. They, they decided to go with the run game, and uh, it's really paid dividends for them down the stretch. So that's going to be the biggest difference that Plano East is going to see is having that dynamic player like mm-hmm. Derrick Rose back there because Saxe, if you look back at that game, they averaged over five yards of carry as playing away the first round. Uh, but they were 4-17 passing between two quarterbacks. They could not do anything through the air. They had seven penalties. They turned the ball over three times. This sexy offense under Derrick Rose has not been 
you know, has not made those big mistakes. Penalties are still an issue sometimes, but as far as turning the ball over, that's not been a problem. So, yeah, you got a sexy team that's kind of hit its stride late in the season, and it's going to be, you know, both coaches will tell you, though, both teams are very different right now, and the same can be said for Plano East. Yep. Kind of sticking with it, Taylor. Yeah, this Plano East team, it was, uh, I mean, they started off the year 5-0. and mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was their first 5-0 and in a lo- in a good long while, playing some of the best football in recent program history. And then they encounter the stumbling block against Allen. And then it's been, uh, you know, they're they're still able to close the season with um, with eight wins. And yeah. It's still a, I forget when the last time they, they won. Eight it was a dozen years ago. A dozen years ago. Something like that. More than a decade. So, I mean, yeah, Plano East, best season still by a, yep. by a country mile in over a decade. Um, but, nevertheless, a, um, just kind of what is your read on Plano at least right now, after I mean some some very competitive yeah. you know, back and forth style games down the stretch. Well, the reason I think for a lot of that is is they've been a little bit banged up on defense. Yeah. Um, that defense was so good when they were getting off that five and zero start, uh, including the game against Saxy. Most of their games, if not all, they were they were buoyed by really really good defensive performances and then having Brandon Mallory doesn't hurt Um, but since that loss to Plano it's kind of been the Brandon Mallory in the offense show and it's been you know can we outscore people a little bit Um, some of that defensive identity like I said has been a little lost in transition with some injuries Uh, it it makes it difficult when you're rotating guys in and out of linebacker a lot Um, I know Jalen Brown in the middle was was down for a while with some Mm -hmm. turf toe and some stuff like that so it's been in flux I guess to, to say the least for the Plano East defense but at the same time you know, when you're relying on the Brandon Mallory show, that's not a bad place to be either because he's been consistently throughout the year, you know, one of the area's leading passers, um, continues to be fantastic, uh, takes care of the football the majority of the time, goes for, you know, two, three hundred, um, three hundred plus yards pretty much every game and just has so many weapons outside that, you know, sometimes even if Plano East gives up, 30 points, 35 points, that's, you know, it's it's not even enough to beat Jalen Anderson and Josh Allison and Braylon Henderson and Joseph Carter and just the bevy of, of threats that they have outside, which, you know, has been on display as of late. I mean, it's they needed it against Jesuit in a really weird yeah. final week matchup. I mean, you it goes one of two ways usually in those kind of games. Either the team that's already eliminated kind of lays down or they, you know, want to jump up and play spoiler. Um, and it seemed like Jesuit was definitely the former. Uh, but it's... Uh, We'll see. We'll see. This matchup certainly has a different a different flavor than than the first uh, the first time these two teams played, and I honestly think it'll come down to um, you know which team puts up a better defensive effort because both teams have proven, especially late in the year, that you know they can obviously score some points. So that first game was because I was at that game, and it was it was weird. It was just a, you weren't really sure what to make of it because yeah. well, a there was rainfall, so there was a delay, <laughs> and then they come out and Saxy scores on its I believe its first, first play, play scrimmage yep. on a, just a long touchdown pass to I believe it was Trent Dean who caught that one, but nevertheless Saxy just a Immediately, just it was the first time playing Mr. Trailed all season. Yep. And then they're just kind of going back and forth, back and forth. Neither team can really muster a whole on an offense. Plano East gets a long touchdown to, I believe, Josh Allison mm-hmm. late in the uh, in the first half. And it's a 7-7 game, and then it carried that way mid, uh, midway through the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then just things snowballed on Saxe. Mm-hmm. Um, there was you know, turnovers. They had a quarterback get injured and whatnot. And you just, I mean, everything that kind of could have gone wrong in a like a little three- to five-minute sequence essentially did. And ultimately a game that not really sure how much to really take away from in trying to preview this matchup because it feels like these two teams are in very different places than they were yeah. in September. Yeah, they, they definitely are. So. One, team that, uh, one team that's kind of in the place that Everyone kind of anticipated they would be in heading into the into the postseason is Allen. Yes. Um, let's, yep. let's talk a little bit about about Allen because it's uh it's go time for the Eagles. The uh, the the Class Six A Division One state title defense is, is underway. They enter the playoffs coming off a sixth consecutive ten and zero regular season, and I mean they just they did what Allen does year in year out, <laughs> with the exception of the. Uh, of the range shortened game against Capel, which was twenty-one to zero, Allen at halftime. They won um, every game this season by at least twenty-nine points. Um, very seldom have any players of consequence seen the fourth quarter. Very Alabama-esque in the way mm-hmm. that they've, uh, they've gone about their business. And um, but it's rare that when you think of, I mean, just how I mean, I can you can rattle off dominant Allen stats, you know, until the cows come home. But nevertheless, entering the playoffs. One thing I'm going to be uh, kind of keeping an eye on just throughout the postseason is actually something that I don't believe we've been able to really say this about Allen in recent years, but I don't want to call it a flaw, but there's definitely something out there that makes you think like, okay, this could this could contribute to holding Allen back, you know, when all is uh, said and done, you know, it's and that's not to say that there's not like a like a stylistic wrinkle out there, like that's something that they just have no answer for schematically, like you know when they lost to the Woodlands and they're just high volume, you know, high profile, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vertical passing game back in two. 2016. I'm talking about something that, like, 
it's kind of become a uh, an emerging trend, you know, a kind of an unsettling trend if you're an Allen fan in recent weeks, and that's penalties. <laughs> uh, I mean, you guys can speak to this. When you guys see a team that, uh, you know, if you're coming through a box score and you're trying to figure out where a team went wrong, I mean, what are the what are the key areas of the box where you kind of look at to try to see what what happened and where things went sour? Well, penalties are certainly one because a lot of times, you know, with East, they've struggled in. For, for me, the season, it's been special teams and penalties, and Allen seems to never have trouble <laughs> with yeah. special teams. They, they win the field position battle just about every week, but penalties are, are definitely a place I look, because especially with, you know, when you get into teams that are expected to win, teams that are on a roll, teams that are going well, that's kind of where some of those deficiencies hide sometimes, even though, you know, Allen beats teams by 50, but but some of those stumbles and deficiencies can get lost in that box score, especially in you know the <laughs> the infraction but, department. But I also think part of that could be chalked up to boredom. Yeah, I mean you lose focus when you're ahead and not nothing in the second and you're switching quarter. guys in and out. And yeah, I you, mean you, you've got second and third players yeah. in there. It's I, I mean you know that's it's an alarming fact mm-hmm. and it's something they're going to obviously have to clean up here going forward. But I think there's other factors at play mm-hmm. as well. Here's um just to kind of break down where I'm kind of getting at with the Allen penalty problem. I'm going to put aside the Planet West game because that yeah. was a game that you know the the starters essentially played one quarter and that yeah. is not really <laughs> indicative of the uh, of kind of what the uh, the issue is at hand here. Prior to the Planet West game. Three of their prior four games, Allen had committed at least nine penalties um, for at least 100 penalty yards. Oh, wow. Including against Plano East, which we remember that was kind of the, the it game on the, of the regular season. Well, and that, when, when Plano East was in that game, that had a lot to do with it. But then it also it got Plano East out of the game, which can show you, you know, the, the impact penalties can have. But, yeah, early on, I mean, that, that had a lot to do with what was going on in that one for the first quarter. In that game, uh, Allen finished with 12 penalties for 109 yards. The following <coughs> against Jesuit, nine penalties for 100 yards. Uh, two weeks later against uh, Prosper, 12 penalties for 133 yards. So when you factor in, like, and at first off, it's kind of the alarming part is that this is an issue that's kind of amplified as the season has gone on. I mean, looking back, they committed, you know, 13 penalties total in non-district play. Yeah. <coughs> And you know, you look at the uh, kind of the significance. I guess where the uh, kind of the parallels between the uh, the correlation between those penalties and just kind of the stakes of the game. Obviously, that Plano East game was one where emotions were riding high on both yep. sides of the ball. That was a very highly anticipated game, undefeated versus undefeated, um, and definitely an, uh, an emotional one yep. on both sides. Um, the Prosper game was uh, was for the district championship. Mm-hmm. So you could say that at least from a uh, from an emotional significance, Allen's two most high profile games this season have been the ones that have resulted in the most penalties for them. Yep. And they're not to break this to you, Alan, but the emotional stakes... Yeah, you know what, high profile? Yeah, the emotional stakes are only going to amplify yeah. in the coming weeks. So on the one hand, like, you, you, yeah, you did mention kind of it's something that can get lost in the box room because there's definitely an accountability that goes on in Allen regarding the penalties. They don't just they don't just turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. I believe after the Prosper game when Coach Gamble was, um, was addressing the team, I believe the exact verbiage was, if you committed a personal foul tonight, you know who to see on Saturday. So yep. there's an accountability <laughs> there. And, you know, Gamble's also reiterated, like, they have to just get across that when you commit a penalty like that, it hurts the team. Mm-hmm. Basic, but, yes, that's ultimately the the case when any penalty is committed and on the one hand like it, it can kind of get lost in the shuffle of that message when you commit 12 penalties and win a game by five touchdowns mm-hmm. but nevertheless like that just that's because there just wasn't a team in district 96a this year that was able to make Allen pay for those penalties right. and I mean the playoffs are the playoffs and even you know during this in during this this halcyon era of, of Allen high school football there have been stumbling blocks there they've run mm-hmm. into adversity it's inevitable no matter how I mean as great as the Kyler Murray era was there were the, there were those games against DeSoto that went oh, yeah. right down to the wire <laughs> the Skyline game where they had to rally from 18 down in the second half I mean Allen no matter how you know the 16 and 0 looks great and all but they do they do encounter some adversity they haven't just waltzed their mm-hmm. way you know to you know to a state championship in any of these years and there's going to be a time this season when it's hey. someone, some team's going to push back. Hey, this is the 11-year anniversary. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> 10 and 0 Allen against 5 and 5 Rowlett. <laughs> Rowlett jumps out to a 30 to nothing lead in the first half, then just holds on for dear life for 37 to 32. <laughs> but 
just so happens. Who's the first round matchup this this year? Yeah, Friday, seven p.m. <laughs> at Eagle Stadium. Uh, yeah, Allen versus Rowlett. Not sure if that's going to be where it. Yeah, it's. Sort of but looking through the rest of the bracket, you know, there is um, there is a, a potential for uh, for a neat little matchup in the second round against a uh, a vaunted offense out in Rock Wall with their dom- with their dominant quarterback wide receiver connection. Um, they've got Waco Midway in this bracket as well. Waco Midway is obviously because Coach Gamble can attest. I mean, a a very very strong program, and then obviously you know everybody in Allen's kind of got their eyes on, you know, what if how would we match it against Duncanville or Galena Park North Shore, you know, and that uh and that potential Final Four that has you know would have four of the top five teams yeah. in the state, and so it's got to come at some point. And just for Allen, like the thing with penalties is like it's they're self inflicted wounds. Mm-hmm. You don't have to commit a single penalty. Um, so yeah, it'll just be a, this is going to just be something that I'm monitoring throughout the postseason. Well, it's very rare that you end the postseason with Allen. They're like, okay, I could really see this holding them back and against a team that can make you pay for. Yeah, it. well, there, it's, are, there are teams out there that are capable. It's especially frustrating too. I know when and and Joey McCullough at East has dealt with this some this year when it's the personal fouls and the after the whistle stuff yeah. and the things that are especially controllable because holds are going to happen, false starts are going to happen, uh, pass interference is going to happen. All of that stuff is is part of the floor of the game. People make mistakes. Those are football penalties. It's the after the whistle stuff that is completely unnecessary that I know drives guys like Gamble crazy. So, and, you know, those 15 yards against some of the, I mean, you, you play North Shore or somebody like that, oh, yeah. that's a big chunk of the field Absolutely. that you're giving a juggernaut. So, that's that's where I think the, the frustration really sets and in is when it's that after the whistle stuff that literally does not ever have to happen. And, and they it, it shapes up pretty favorably, I think, to this region. Mm-hmm. If you just kind of chart, I mean, you got the Woodlands in their side of the bracket, but that's this is not the same Woodlands team. It yeah. doesn't appear to be. There's, this is a seven and three Woodlands team, not an undefeated Woodlands team like you've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know that we, we talked about the matchup with Rockwall in the second round. I just don't think Rockwall can slow out, uh, down enough. I mean, they may give up forty points to Rockwall, yeah. but Rockwall may give up seventy, kind of yeah. like that play that we talked yeah. game earlier. And, and you know, looking at the bottom side of that bracket. The winner of Saxony and Plano East will probably get Waco Midway. Um, don't want to take any away from Coach Fleener or Mesquite because they went toe-to-toe with Longview for a half last week. Yeah. Before yeah. It kind of got away from them. But, you know, outside of that game against Waco Midway, you have a bunch of 7-4, and four, you know, Round Rock and Spring, or a bunch of 7-3, and 6-4 teams. So I think that winner of the Saxony Plano East game has a chance to make a run of, them, uh, of their own. Yeah. That being said, on paper, like this is Allen's region to lose. This is some might say this is even Allen's state, you know, state tournament to lose. I mean, I don't know enough about North Shore and uh, you know level statistically. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's Allen. Like they have the talent, they have the depth, yeah. they have the skins on the wall with more yep. playoff experience under their belt than any program yeah. in the state. It feels like over these last several years. But um, man, nevertheless, just something a, a trend that has surfaced down the uh, down the home stretch of the regular season that I don't, I don't think you can ignore that. I don't think you can just no. rush off, you know, double-digit penalties, you know, in several games, several meaningful games, several emotional games, because um, yeah, it's teams aren't going to stop trying to bait other teams into committing, yeah. into committing penalties. Especially if that's the read on Allen. Yeah. If you're going into playing Allen and, and you know that your odds are. 2080 to even have a shot, then hey, can we bump those to 3070 by just trying to draw them offside a couple times and, and get some extracurricular going on? The mental equation is just <laughs> so so important at this time of year. Uh, Devin, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Mesquite. Let's get a uh, let's get a quick read on Mesquite ISD and just what they've got shaken for the playoffs with Horn and in uh, those Skeeters. You know they they, do, they drew two tough challenges in the first round. They're both lower seed. They're both going to have to go on the road. Uh, you know. Mesquite going to Waco Midway, who uh, came out of a, a very good 12-6A, undefeated through there. You know, Waco Midway has is, is been a good program now for the last decade. Their one out-of-district challenge they got that they got to play was against Euless Trinity. Mm-hmm. They got thumped 37-7 to in the, in the season opener. So, again, we don't get to see these teams on a week-to-week basis. We don't have a lot of common opponents to draw for them uh, in terms of that. So we'll, we'll have a real good idea how they, you know, when you see how, you know, uh, Temple Fairs or Copper's Cove Fairs or Belton, the other teams from that 12-6A. Um, you know, we'll see how they have to do. Uh, Mesquite's going to be the underdog, but I mean, this is a Mesquite team that's really defied expectations all season long. Mm-hmm. They uh, they were picked to finish sixth in district and uh, end up third. Um, you know, they they were competitive against you know Rockwell and Longview. Longview in particular were, were, the, were the class of this district. Well, Mesquite hung with them. They didn't quite have the horses to hang with them till the end. But you know, early on it was toe to toe, even against Longview last week. So Mesquite, uh, you know. 
Jeff Lehner and that staff is, are going to come up with a good game plan. Yeah. I mean, that team is going to come out prepared. Uh, you mentioned you know penalties and mistakes as being uh, you know kind of a Achilles heel for Allen at times. It's, that hadn't been the case with Mesquite. They were so well disciplined. They're so, I mean, you know, Dylan McGill, their their, their quarterback, uh, has made a lot of strides, not just with his ability to run the ball, but, uh, you know, uh, just being able to, to, to move the ball through the air. Ladarius Turner, uh, their workhorse back, is one of the best running backs in the area that you never heard of just because, you know, Mesquite doesn't quite eat the limelight like an Allen does. Um, so we'll see what happens. They're going to be the underdog, but they certainly have a fighting chance. And you can say the same thing about Horn. Yeah. Uh, you know, limping in at three and seven, as some yeah. might say, but they're <laughs> right. not limping. They're not limping in at all. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, we, we talked all season long about their schedule. Well, final tally was their four non-district uh, opponents went thirty-nine and one. Yeah, um, this season <laughs> pretty, and, pretty good. And, and their seven losses, the, the, the teams that they lost to were combined sixty-two and seven. So. Um, Battle-tested, to say the least. They draw a Temple team that uh, has been state-ranked for a lot of the year, but it's coming off back-to-back losses. They lost a close game to Waco Midway and was, was basically a district championship game. They lost last week to Coppers Cove. Take what you will from it. I, 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 my understanding was that... that, that they played a lot of backups in that game because it was... Uh, they If they won that game, they would have to go on the road to Lobo State and play undefeated Longview, whereas... They came up a little short in that game. They still stayed Division Two, but then they're the higher seed in Division Two, and they get the home game against Horn. Yeah. So you know, take what you will from that in terms of them playing their backups. But the bottom line is that's set Horn at Temple. But you're getting a Horn team that again has won three in a row. They seem to have found their offense. Jermaine Givens is showing that district MVP form that he didn't really show early in the season, but he's kind of last week 18 carries for 290 yards and four wow. touchdowns, and you know just showing that explosiveness that he had last season. So you're you know Temple may be looking across the bracket and saying we got a three and seven team at home. This is we'll start making plans for the area around, but this is not your you know ordinary three and seven team. It's a Horn team that seems to be hitting its stride. Let's uh, let's just quickly round this out with a look at uh, some of the happenings over in 5A. And uh, Taylor, what a wild final night in District Seven 5A Division. <laughs> just two. wild final night, wild matchups yeah. now in the play. Like it's all it, everything kind of went sideways there. It, Put it this way: just if you want like that that final night of that district in one tidy summation, there was a team that entered the night not even assured a playoff berth, and they wound up with the number two seed. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, Frisco. And actually, Brian Murphy will be on later to talk about Frisco and the uh, and those raccoons and the job that they did just mounting that. Uh, you I mean you talk about a great turnaround season for Mesquite. I mean the Skeeter, I'm not the Skeeters, but the Raccoons going 0 and 10 to yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. place in, in, in the playoffs and whatnot. But um, nevertheless, um, that uh, their win over Lovejoy bumps you know the Leopards down to the uh, to the number three seed in that district where Lovejoy had been hovering around the number two seed all season long. And yep. Delta, a weird game, a weird game. Like they you know they lose a couple fumbles that go for touchdowns early on. <laughs> they make some wild wild charge. Carson Collins throws for over 500 yards and loses somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, so with the Leopards just. What's um? How do you kind of feel about where Lovejoy is at heading into the playoffs right now? Is Man, Hoffman in this first round. I don't know. First of all, let me say I'm disappointed we didn't get the Lovejoy Sulphur Springs uh, reschedule. Wasn't meant to be. That was uh, that was one I was looking forward to. Um, you know, just with the circumstances of that game having to get canceled earlier this year, but. Man, it's it's hard to it's hard to get a read on Lovejoy, honestly, because you, you said that Don't say. <laughs> it's 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 really tough because when Jahi Rainey's going, when Carson Collins is is being he doesn't have to throw for five hundred. That's not a typical Carson Collins night, and that's not a slight against him. He just for their offense to to, to fire on all cylinders, he doesn't have to do that. He just has to find you know, they have some big play um, ability with Bo Ivanelli, uh, Jacob Torilger outside, um, even Rainey. Uh, and, and some other guys, so they have some big playability, but it's more about you know efficiency, um, you know just taking what you can get, handing it off to Rainey, go get six yards, let's set up second and third and short, and and just kind of roll that way. And it, it feels like sometimes when they get taken out of that and they have to throw the football a little bit more, they're a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, and not saying that they can't play a game that way, but they're a little bit more uncomfortable. So it, it, I don't know a lot about Kaufman. I don't know a lot about that whole district was one that we thought would be. Pretty strong and pretty stout, but but it ended up being very strange. Uh, it's court- been just teams cannibalizing one another. Yeah, like so, it's hard to get a read on even what that district has. So I think for Lovejoy, they're more than capable of beating 
any of those teams. I mean, they, they draw Coffin, but I think that they any first-round matchup they had, they're capable of winning. But, you know, the game plan has to be – they have to have things go the way that they want them to go. Because you look at the Lake Dallas matchup uh, a couple weeks ago and, and how crazy it got because they came out and I think led 28 nothing at one point or something crazy um, and, and didn't score in the second half. And, and it was – it's very strange because when teams kind of do a little different – Things and, and provide different looks on defense. Um, it, it can kind of mess with Lovejoy a little bit, and if they get out of that rhythm, then things kind of start to slow down a little. But I mean, my my read on them, I guess, summarized is I think they're good enough. I think they have the talent to, especially you know, get out of the by district round. It just depends on can they show up, can they control the game that they in the, in the way that they want to, um, and run rainy and, and kind of set things up that way, and then get a good enough defensive performance to to get out. So. It, man, it's anybody's guess is, is as good as mine, though, on, on them. By virtue of Frisco's win over um, over Lovejoy, that actually was a... Uh, even the Lake Dallas end of the night assured a playoff spot. Yeah. Just kick their feet up and just watch the rest of the chaos unfold in the district. Yep. Um, Frisco's win over Lovejoy did dump uh, Lake Dallas mm-hmm. into that number four seat, so they will draw the 8-5A Division II champion Corsicana yep. on the road, too. They'll have to travel all the way out to Corsicana yep. for, that, uh, for that matchup. And as far as kind of gauging what to make of the Falcons and where they're at at this juncture, of the season, um, it's uh, we, we know what the offense can do. You yep. know that I mean, you know the lifeblood of that offense is the Ryan Depperschmidt just do it all versatility at the quarterback position, yep. and then Brandon Angle his his. Oh my gosh, that you got to see that connection. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable the difference it makes because they didn't have Angle for Braswell in a 21-16 win that they kind of and that was you know talking to Michael Young after that game, Lake Dallas head coach, he was saying you know that's one that he was actually very excited to see his program eke out because that's a game that that's a playoff type football game. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going right. You're not always going to score 35. you got to be able to scratch out a win, too. Um, so he was happy with that one, but then you get Levin on trail, you get Engel back, and he has four catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> in the first half. So it, it's it's unbelievable the wrinkle that he provides. It, like Young said, he makes people cover Lake Dallas completely differently. Mm-hmm. And when you're focusing on him, then Kylie Smith gets freed up you know, out of the slot. And, and for his little routes and, and his quickness, you get the ball to him in space. And, and Debra Schmidt gets freed up because he, he you have to keep a little bit more um, honesty as far as covering angle and all that kind of stuff. So it, it provides a, a different wrinkle, but we'll see. That's a that's a tough trip to make down to Corsicana. That's a, the travel part of it, the home field advantage part of it. So that's a it's a tough draw <laughs> off a wild, like you said, a wild last week. Corsicana the season's been a little odd. They lost their opener to Bristol, <coughs> then they proceeded to win their next eight games. Yep. Um, they were able to lock up the number one seed in the uh, in the district, so perhaps that contributed to last Friday when they lost a, a twenty-eight to seven matchup. Yeah, hard to tell what what, result, what that one's about. Look at the way both team seasons had gone up to that point, um, and um, you know, Corsicana looking for what would be, I guess, its first playoff win since two thousand eleven. So they've been the playoffs pretty consistently, but still searching for that first playoff win in quite some time. Um, I, I wonder what they can take away from that game against Braswell. Because that one, you know, in hindsight, you know, twenty-one to sixteen, probably expected on paper at least that that'd be a little bit more excited. Yeah. But I think that is big just for the confidence that it would breed for the defense. Oh, absolutely, that's been, yeah, that's a, absolutely. You know, a, a very prominent storyline with Lake Dallas yeah. this season is just the kind of the heads and tails play of the of the yeah. defense. Well, even in the even in the Lebanon Trail game, they had some some turnovers. I think three, if I remember correctly. But that's big for them, regardless of who they're playing. You know, Lebanon Trail is not a team that's mm-hmm. supposed to sneak up and beat Lake Dallas. That forty-one or forty-five to ten result. Is, is about exactly how you would peg that one the whole time. But this defense is one that I think thrives off building on things. So even in a game like that, and, and this is something that, that Young talked about, even in a game like that, it's good to, one, play clean, but two, get some turnovers and get some feel-goods going about, you know, regardless of who it is, it still feels nice to, to have some takeaways, which is something they've struggled a bit with um, this season. But, yeah, I, th- I think the last really three games, the Lovejoy loss was obviously a tough one because you play so well in the second half have a chance to win it right at the end and, and don't quite get there and lose 31 27 but i thought they played extremely well in that second half played well enough against braswell like you said a confidence builder for the defense and then obviously got to kind of roll and take care of business that we're living on trail so they should be feeling uh feeling pretty good heading into this one so we'll see how do you think Poteet feels heading into 5A Division One, Devin, with, the, uh, <clears throat> with their opening round matchup against uh, They get it at home, so they do at least have to send themselves home. a trip to, to College Station. 
to take on uh, Old College Station. But a meeting of eight and two teams. Um, just what's your read on the Pirates hey. after a uh, a very wild finish to the uh, to the District Seven Five A Division One schedule? And don't forget, this is a defending state champion College Station mm. who beat Alito oh, yeah. down Alito a year ago. Absolutely. Obviously, every year is different, uh, but they came they came out of a very tough district. Uh, Lufkin won that district. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I thought Magnolia West uh, College Station came in favorite over Magnolia West. I think in a lot of people's eyes last week, but Magnolia West credit to them. Uh, they were able to get the win. Petit uh, got back on track after that Hail Mary loss to John Tyler. This is the time of year Petit Brown's in the form, traditionally speaking. I mean, this is a team that gets out of the first round every single year. Has happened, you know, they've made the playoffs every year but once since 2010, and they've always made it to the area round. They've never lost in the first round. You know, Seth McGowan, one of the best running backs in the area, went for 240 last week against McKinney North. You know, they. You know they, they gave up their share of points to McKinney North early on, but they made adjustments and because they were down twenty one to ten in no time. I mean McKinney North it sounded like they were going to score going to score a hundred like they almost did early in the season as Wiley East, and then they made the adjustments in game and didn't completely shut McKinney North down, but really limited them. Same thing as John Tyler spotting John Tyler twenty one nothing lead did a really good job on defense making adjustments. So. There's a defense that's kind of hitting its stride. The offense has is, is really been able to, you know, to consistently put up points. And um, this is another first-round matchup, which is really hard to tell because we don't see College Station play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the pedigree speaks for itself in terms of, I know they may not have the same team as last year, but I'm sure there's plenty of guys that oh, were yeah, part absolutely. of that group last, last uh, season that have that experience, that, that know what it takes to win in the playoffs. So one of the more intriguing, uh, you know, first-round matchups, but... Gotta like Poteet just based on recent history because this is the time of year uh, that they play their best football. And if they were to get past College Station, guess who waits in the second round probably? Ooh. Highland Park, <laughs> the old nemesis that I believe Poteet is one in sixteen all time. This oh is this is a you know they, they've been district rivals for most of the last two decades, uh, not this particular year. But uh, Highland Park has always been a nemesis for all Mesquite ISD teams. Uh, but the one win Poteet did have was a few years ago in the playoffs, and they thumped Highland Park and exercised some of those demons. So uh, that would be a great area-round matchup. Obviously, they first got to take care of College Station, which is should be a great game out there at Memorial Stadium on Friday night. That is a look at uh, just kind of what's shaking in the playoffs and prominent storylines in, in our markets. Obviously, we've still got plenty more with uh, Justin Thomas, Brian Murphy, and Kendra Johnson to discuss the playoff happenings in their, uh, in their respective beats. But first off, I want to shine that star local media student-athlete spotlight out on McKinney. The Lions are in the playoffs. Who would have, who would have thought at the start of the year? With, them. Uh, it sounds like them all and about starters, nobody else. Brand new head coach. And, yeah, the, the McKinney Lions back-to-back playoff appearances. We had a chance to talk with um, with their standout running back, Cordrick Dunn, on thoughts on just the uh, on their impressive turnaround over the back half of the regular season and their upcoming playoff game against Wiley. And um, we will see what Cordrick had to say after a word from this sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Ken Johnson with Coach Dunn, start running back for the McKinney Lions. Coach, give us some insight to being on the team last year versus being on the team this year. What's the, it's like a different vibe. We went to playoffs last year. Give us some insight to how that vibe is different this year. Um, the vibe is different. Like we got more swagger, more family. We like more together, and everybody just you just got to believe. We came in, we came in believing like we can win. So that's the difference between last year and this year. How did you keep that belief when you started 0-5? I remember talking to you. You said, man, write it down. We're going to find some way to get in that playoffs. Everybody laughing at us now. They won't be laughing at us at the end. How does it feel to prove people wrong? And where did that belief come from? Um, every day we just came to work. We came to work. We, we lost in five games. Every week we come back, work harder and harder and harder. And then the more we started to work harder, you saw the wind starting to come in once the hard work started to pay off. Give some insight to that emotion that came inside you when you saw uh, your, your fellow senior, Andrew Pitts, make that big play against Boyd to seal that game and know that y'all going to go back to the playoffs when you make that interception on Friday uh, night. That pick, uh, I just went crazy on Solomon. I was excited. I was like, that's my boy. Saying he just caught that pick, put us in a great situation. I was excited. That, I was excited for him. I was excited that we made it back to the playoffs once again. 
And being on that team last year that went and played against Southlake that came up short, how big a deal is it not just to get the playoffs but to make a make a run? And how much have you told this, these guys back about, yeah, it was good to get there, but we didn't. We went one and done. Do you, have you been telling them about that since they don't know about that? Uh, everybody know about that. And, like, we, we have a chip on our shoulder because everybody's expecting us to not go in with swag, but we're going to bring that swag. And we – I was just like, it's different. I feel like – we can make some noise in this playoffs, this playoff run. Talk about the, the impact Coach Shavers and his staff have made because it seemed like uh, like from just listening to Waits, I'm out there watching y'all win from Waits, man. I feel like I'm getting to work here, man. That stuff is intense. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, we work hard every day lifting weights. Saying we come there ready to kill the weight room, go, go like we practice like it's a game. So, so we do everything at a high level. So it's a high-level mentality. It's the type of mentality we have. A bigger deal was to beat Boyd to end that streak and to get the playoffs. Like, all wrapped in one. You couldn't even script it that uh, in any way if you start beginning of the year. But uh, you know you have to beat them to get into the playoffs, and y'all did. Um, well, uh, I can't even, like, I was out of words when we beat them. I was like, wow, like, this is the best room of my life. Like, it was amazing. Like, it was just like a dream that came true. Like, <laughs> yeah. Does it feel good the fact that y'all set the presence now? Like the, the standard's going to be not to play with Boy, but to beat Boy going forward. Now that y'all started this streak. Yeah, we started this streak and we plan on continuing this streak. Like, we, we plan on continuing this streak for a long time. So, every year we're going into, we will beat them this year. Give some insight to what what does Wiley present? I know y'all been watching tape and stuff. What some challenges they present and what you going to have to do to be successful on Friday to get that by district win? Um... Only thing I'm gonna have to say is um, we just gonna have to just play hard nosed football, and that's the way that you're gonna have to win this game. Going into that game is hard nosed football because them are they got a group great they had a great group of guys out there, so we just got to play great football. I know you were only a sophomore, but you were on that team that when y'all played in that stadium, y'all came up to the last second when they yeah. stopped um Gaddick on the football. Have you told them about that and just the difficulties of playing in that stadium because it's, it's a weird vibe, you know? Because I'm in that game, y'all start off really slow, and their and their uh, fans are really intense. Have you gave them kind of an inside a heads up of what to expect because they're gonna be going in a hostile territory? Um, yeah, I remember going to summary of that game. We lost because uh, we just needed a yard to get in and. I take that game as a game like that's something to prove. Like I want to be that. I want to be that guy. And with my teammates, my O line, we be the guys that go in there this year and change the culture there. We beat them at their field and let them know like we're a different McKinney and make some noise. Talk about you and KT's chemistry because it came in handy against Boyd down the stretch. Either one of y'all were making plays. Like it'd be third and two, they pitch it to you, you get four yards. It'd be third and eight, he keep it on his own read, go down sideline, get 10, 12 yards. How's y'all chemistry helping y'all out to make big plays when y'all need them? Um, my chemistry is great. We just like, he every day come to work, he do what he got to do and, and Friday nights he go crazy when he run the ball. So, our chemistry really good. I'm saying we just practice every day together really hard, and great things happen on Friday night. So, how big a deal is to get off to a good start? Like y'all started off slow against Boyd, yeah. but traditionally this year, y'all been a fast starting team. How big a deal is that for y'all and for what y'all do to get off to that start really quick? Um, we go in there with an electrifying mentality, and after we make that first big play, we expect another big play, another big play, and we just gonna we get gas to the pedal. So we just go hard every play no plays off and final question for me it's Friday night it's about 10.30 y'all got y'all, the lines are up on that scoreboard the time's ticking off what do you think emotions will come on you to be the first team in McKinney in over 20 years to get a playoff win if y'all are able to get that job done ooh I just I can't even like let words explain it I'm gonna be so excited it's probably gonna make me emotional because that's like a lifetime achievement for me is to hold up a gold ball with my teammates. So that'll be a great feeling. Our big thanks to McKinney star running back Cordrick Dunn uh, with the interview with our own Kendrick Johnson right here. Uh, See McKinney. Hats off to McKinney. They had, they've had a great year, man. They started off 0 5 and they end the playoffs. Now, did, before we get into McKinney, I'm Brian Murphy. This is oh. Justin Thomas. <laughs> There's two other people no. on this podcast. Line, well, line change. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, on my other show. We'll have super subs coming over <laughs> for the, the second segment here. Kendrick, I guess we'll segue uh, into McKinney since uh, we just talked about Cordrick Dunn and then making the playoffs. I don't think many people 
expected that. Really? People expect them to win more than two games, and wow. then they start off 0-4, but they're a team, like, it, it's not a cliche, like, they get better every week. All they do, like like Coach Shaver say, we go we go work, show up, take a loss, get back. Go work, show up, take a loss, get back. And they did that five weeks in a row, and they pushed through against Plano. And the crazy thing is, that was the game that got them in because Plano sitting at the house like us watching them <laughs> on Friday night, and they got in because they beat Plano, they beat Plano West, they beat Boyd, and they beat um, uh, Jesuit to get in. Yeah. Four out of five, and they were this close to being playing the least. They almost ran the table. They could easily have ran the table, and that's how you get in. And to me, what makes it more impressive is that they're in one of the toughest districts in the state. Ain't no gimme games in 96A, so they earned their spot up in there. Unless you're playing the West. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, can they beat Wiley? Oh, I got them beating Wiley. If they do, if they play the way they play against Boyd, minus the slow start, they started off slow against Boyd. Shout out to Tyler. Tyler uh, uh, Shaw, that man busted up. He had the first five carries of the game and went like 60 yards on himself and just beasted. He looked like a young beast mode back there. And then Boyd went away from him. But once they made the adjustments and slowed down the running game, they got into the flow of the game and they won their first Crosstown Showdown in nine long years. Wow. I mean, I so they won Crosstown Showdown for the first time in nine years and they got into the playoffs. So you can just imagine the motions and the and all that they carried over after the game. And the bragging rights you have over McKinney Boyd <laughs> too, I can imagine. Wow. So before we dive into McKinney North, they have a tough, tough matchup this week. Before we dive into that one, I'm pretty sure that one won't be that long of a conversation. Oh, well, well, well so you have to put the context. Sure. Boyd, um, uh, shout out to Kim Constantine. He's out for the year. He tore his leg. North. You said Boyd. I'm like, North. Yeah, North. Kim Constantine, the starting quarterback, tore his um, labrum in his throwing shoulder. He's out for the year. And so, now who's feeling important? Uh, Dylan Markowitz, who they've he, they've been rotating. He's done a good job. He played a great game. He's more of a pocket passer against some um, Poteet. He went twelve for twenty-three, one thirty-four, one tub. And he's not a runner. He ran the zone read. They called a perfect play call on a third and um, short, and he went off the left side, scored twenty-five yards to tie to, to get him within four. But he made a fatal mistake and threw a pick six, which happens. The guy made a heck of a play. Like it was like play these NFL guys don't make on Sundays. They dropped the ball. He didn't drop the ball. <laughs> and so as a result, they lost. They had to go to East Texas and play Lufkin, who's number two in the state. But they had two big calls in that game. I don't know if y'all seen this. They had two inadvertent whistles mm-hmm. on change of possession. McKinney got an onside kick. What makes it was an onside kick. It was a pooch kick. God muffs it, and he fumbles. The ref blew the whistle when he caught it because he, he fair caught it like this, mm-hmm. but he dropped it. And so that that's such a lie ball. That's exactly. Really and that, that took them away. And then they had a, um, uh, um, a strip. That they um, somehow it was a reverse. They had two fumbles mm. that took away possessions. So if they win that game, they're not going to get these Texas. So yeah, I put it in context. The the Bulldogs got a raw deal at MIC State the other day. Interesting. Now, JT, you have plenty of marquee matchups in this yeah, one. Yeah. Which, which which games do you want to highlight? Uh, well, <laughs> the one that jumps out to me is um, I am a South Lake Carroll alum, so. Obviously excited about this first-round matchup between the two rivals, Coppell and Carroll, that's going to go down Saturday at Dragon Stadium. So that's the first one that jumps out to me. I'm pretty excited for this one. And now, Southlake comes in undefeated, correct? Correct. Does Coppell have a chance to give him their only loss of the year? Well, you know, Riley say, Dodge never lost a game as a coach. Yes, Riley Dodge is undefeated as a head coach. Dodge. That is correct. <laughs> um, you know, I think... We've talked about on this podcast a lot when we talk about Coppell, how I kind of think they're a, a real kind of play-to-the-opponent team. Like, you know, teams that I think they should maybe wall up, they end up having a little tighter games, and teams that I think are going to give them trouble, they usually hang right in there. So I'm not going to predict a Cowboys victory here, but I think this is going to be a, a pretty competitive game. Um, just I like what Coppell has in the trenches, and I think that should be able to, uh, to hold, hold them in the game. And if they can limit turnovers, which was a – has been an issue of late. If they can mm-hmm. limit those, I think they can ha- hang in there. But um, just lots of storylines on this one. You know, uh, Southlake SMU commit running back TJ McDaniel. He was a Coppell kid for two years before transferring to Southlake. You know, his two brothers both played co- went to Coppell and both played college football. Gavin and Cam McDaniel uh, went to Notre Dame and Washington. So um, plenty of familiar there familiarity there with uh, TJ McDaniel on the Southlake side. So it should be a fun one. I've heard a lot about TJ McDaniel when I met with Brandon Crossley, the little home star player, plays every position. Yeah. He's 
committed to SMU. Oh, okay. he, he brought up how him and TJ McDaniel had been Did talking. They visits and, and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they'd been talking together, and they were like, hey, let's let's get SMU back to the, the program that it was. So, yeah, I've heard a lot about him. So, hopefully he doesn't yeah. know, run too rampant over. And then, um, of course, South Lake also has, you know, the number one safety in yeah. 2020, R.J. Mickens. So, plenty of talent in this one. It should be a fun game. Uh, he's, he's the number one safety in the state? For the 2020? Oh, that's, yeah. that's next year. So Is he yeah. Yeah. No, he's committed to? Yeah, I don't think he has committed to. Yeah. He's yeah. got probably yeah. So speaking of top players in the state and the nation, Hebron will have one of their players in a rematch right. who didn't play when those teams played right. earlier this year. Second week, uh, Fossil Ridge and Hebron played. It was 37-17. Fossil Ridge won that one. But Trajan Bridges, the Oklahoma commit and dazzling player, he was out with a concussion. So obviously he is what makes the Hebron offense tick pretty much so I mean I really can't even put too much stock in that first meeting uh, you can look at the defense giving up 37 but you know but that was so long ago yeah was, was it the second um, game of the year or the that was the second game I believe second or third one of those you know, two, but yeah so many things have changed since then you know like, like Plano I think it was the third game yeah actually. look at teams like Plano East we thought they were going to you know finish as high as second in that district and then yeah. saw what happened so whatever happened you know that early in the years is out the window when we come playoff time yeah so. Um, I guess the other one I wanted to touch on is just Louisville and Farmound being back in the playoffs. First time since 07 for Louisville. Wow, first time so they built the 11-year drink. Yeah, first time since wow. 2010. Hey, shout out to them. I saw them in non-district, <laughs> and uh, i like, they were good, but I know they're going to get in the playoffs, so they're the real deal. So Louisville gets in. They're actually the number one seed in the big division out of 6-6-A, even though um, Farmound won the division. They're headed to Division Two. So Louisville, the second seed, is the top seed in Division One. Then this Louisville team is 8-2. They're an overtime loss to Grand Prairie and a 27-7 lead with three minutes left in the third quarter away from having an undefeated season. Mm-hmm. So they're really playing well. You saw them against Boyd. They it's just fast. Their kept, defense is fast. They've kept rolling from there. Yeah, their defense, their secondary, their defensive front, They, I really like what this defense is doing, and I think they're going to get after Keller and come out with a, not only making the playoffs, I think they're going to win on Friday. Louisville. Every time I, I roll farmers through, winning. Every time I roll through 35 going north, <laughs> back yeah, in see the water you see the water time since state champs, like yeah. 94, 95. Yeah. Is there going to be an 18 next time? I don't know. We're <laughs> not going to go that far. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, another note, because um, Keller actually finished second in mm-hmm. their district, so there's no home field advantage in this one. So these two teams are going to play at Denton C.H. Collins Stadium on Friday. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good stadium so. out there in Denton. Speaking mm-hmm. of two teams rematching, Frisco Lone Star and Mansfield Legacy. That was a fourth round matchup in the playoffs last yeah, year, wow. and they're playing this year in the first round. You know that Lone Star team last year should have won state. I said it all along with MJ Rivers, all the studs they had there, uh, Nick Bolton, so many D one athletes. They lost that game twenty four uh, to twenty. So, no, the Legacy they lost their quarterback and best player Jalen Catalan. Yeah, he's oh, out. Who is best safety in for twenty nineteen yeah, in yeah. the state, mm-hmm. and uh, he got hurt playing quarterback. Yeah, and then that shout, game to, shout out to Kevin Pryor for giving that information. I have a buddy have, that's connected with that program. <laughs> yes. So this isn't quite the same rematch as it was last year when those te- those two teams made deep, deep playoff runs. But in that game last year, Mansfield Legacy they only had nine first downs. Lone Star had twenty. Uh, Lone Star just had some costly turnovers in that game, and you know I'm not saying they should have won, but they should have won that game. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you know what? I, I think they should have won, but they're, they're going to be out for revenge, and it's, it's yeah. you know they have the home turf. Uh, this time around, they'll be at uh, Frisco Memorial Stadium, right down the street from Lone Star, and so that should be an interesting one to watch. I think it's interesting how it's going from fourth round last year to the first yeah, round this year. Just how how much confidence you think they have played at home? How much bigger deal does that make for them? You know, seeing in Frisco, they have three home stadiums. Yeah, that's it's, what I was going to say. Weird. It's a little different. But I feel like Lone Star they play they play really well at, at Memorial. They played Highland Park at Memorial earlier this year. They had some big games last year at Memorial. Uh, they, they they seem to play play well there. Uh, but we'll see. We're gonna, we'll see. Their offense is coming off a, a 63-point performance against Frisco Heritage. Their offense finally came alive. That was the big question mark for this yeah. team. The defense has been there. The defense yeah. wasn't the issue, but the offense yeah. is finally kind of picking things up a little bit with Julian Larry uh, at quarterback. I want to know one thing before we before we get off this podcast. I called it last week, about a week ago this time, that Frisco High. I know y'all probably don't know too much about Frisco. Y'all <laughs> looked at them last year, and they are like, oh, and 10, they're done, this and that. I said last week they were somehow, some way going to make the playoffs. I didn't say they were going to be Lovejoy, <laughs> but that's what it took. They, they needed a Lovejoy, a win against Lovejoy or a loss, a Denison loss to make the playoffs. Well, they beat Lovejoy. They were up by a million in that game. They let them creep back, but they hung on to beat Lovejoy 48-45. That's a huge win. Lovejoy 
was projected to be, you know, probably the second best team in that district when it was all said and done. But Frisco, they finish uh, a second in that district. They take on Sulphur Springs, a game I will be at Thursday night at the Star. Should be interesting. Sulphur Springs, one of those teams that you don't, you know, they, they had a rain out against uh, someone earlier this year. <laughs> I, I can't think of the top of my head. I they got some cats that can they, go. Man, they do, you know, those East yeah. Texas teams, they, they speak ball. Yeah, exactly. So this one could go really go either way. Is, is the Frisco team that showed up against Lovejoy going to come out to play or the one that beat Lake Dallas or the, the one that, you know, played against Reedy or Denison against, you know, they had those losses. Who's going to show up? Uh, and that one, Lakeland is also taking on Lancaster. Independence also taking on Highland Park. Yeah, maybe Independence's only playoff game, Highland Park, number one team in the state there. Bro, they're playing at Highland in the state, though. That's all you need to yeah, say. Yeah, the two-time <laughs> defending state champs. Independence, it's been a great season. Good luck against the Scots. And then Reedy taking on Ennis. <laughs> Why you always say it's been a good season? Like, they season's over. <laughs> uh, I think he's saying it's about to be. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's more about their opponent, not their team. But congrats on Independence making the playoffs. Not many people pick them to make the playoffs. Like McKinney. Shout out to Coach Shavish now. Uh, the first year. myself on the back there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no, Justin was the only person prior to the season that picked Independence to make the playoffs. We were, I, I know I picked, I had Little Elm as the fourth team. Other people had maybe Centennial or yeah. whatever yeah. making the playoffs. I didn't have Independence. State. I didn't know nothing. I was, I was going blind. They didn't, know who, <laughs> they didn't know who their quarterback was going to be yeah. prior to the season. Yeah. And then the sophomore, Braylon Braxton, transferred from Allen, comes in here 6'1", 200 plus pounds. He's a big body. He's going to be a, a special talent. You know these final two years in it. Yeah. So uh, McKinney, I I didn't see them winning but a couple games because they had no full time returning starters. The only person with any experience was um, Cordrick. He was on uh, Matt Gaddick's backup. So it's like y'all in this nine six eight district. And he's no Matt Gaddick yeah. either. You know Matt Gaddick. He's pretty talented. Shoes. Those are heavy shoes to fill. Hey, though. he's got thousand five hundred sure. yards and uh, fifteen tubs on the year. That's not to mention bringing in a new head coach. New head coach, yeah. Coach Marcus Shavers. Them. He's completely changed the culture. They have this saying W A W G. We all we got, and everybody really believe that. And they got a WAWN. We all we need. It sounds cliche, but it's it's not just bonded the football team. It's bonded the whole school. But hence the, the run the volleyball teammate. So they completely changed the culture for McKinney Athletics. And they gone in football playoffs. They gone in volleyball playoffs. So they doing some right over there at McKinney High. So shout out to all those coaches, all those coaching staffs who are doing their thing and getting the results. This is a results business. Nobody picked them. They got up in that thing, and they gonna win this Friday. Oh, they got wow. them winning twenty one fourteen at Pirate Stadium. We'll see if those results uh, translate. Going down a score against Wiley. Do y'all want, I, I didn't have any project predictions planned. Yeah. I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I know Kendrick's already blasted us with a with a hot take here, saying they're gonna beat beat Wiley on the road. But uh, I yeah, I think Lone Star is gonna get revenge on, on Legacy. I think I already said that. What what's one one game? You know that you're looking at from from your markets. You know maybe an upset or, or a lock um, for for a victory. I'll double down and I'll say Louisville and Flower Mound both get the playoffs and they're both going to win and they'll both move on. We'll see what happens in the other games. <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> in the other games. <laughs> don't take Justin Thomas to Vegas <laughs> if you don't want your money. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what happens this Thursday and this Friday. I'm Brian Murphy. That's Kendrick Johnson. That's Justin J T Thomas. We'll talk to y'all later. <laughs> And to round out the podcast, I am back, as is Taylor Raglan and Justin Thomas. And, um, yeah, I know we've been talking a lot of playoff football with it being the first week of the postseason, so plenty to get excited about there. Also got some fun times headed to the, uh, headed to the Metroplex this week out in Garland. This, uh, this is the latest installment of the State Volleyball Tournament. And wouldn't you know it, we got, what, three teams that are going to yep. be thrown down on Friday out at the, uh, the Curtis Caldwell Center in the state semifinals. So you know what? Let's talk a little State Volleyball. Obviously a huge deal for these three programs. We have Plano West, Flower Mound, and Lovejoy that will be going for state championships this week out in Garland. So, uh, Taylor, Plano West, man. Man, I... <laughs> what, is, what a story this has been all season with the uh, the ups and downs and the rises and uh, and falls for the uh, for the Lady Wolves who have now just, they are peaking at the right time. What a statement they made this past weekend at the uh, at the regional tournament knocking off, what, two of the top three yep. teams in the state. Um, yeah, Taylor, just talk a little bit about the Lady Wolves from your vantage point and just the role that they are on right now heading into, let's see, just for uh, the sake of a, of a schedule, uh, Friday 5 p.m. out at the Cobalt Center, they kick off the 6A portion of the state semifinals against Fort Bend Ridge Point. Talk about them, Lady Wolves. Man, it's it's just been like you said. It's been a roll. It's been momentum. They're the definition of a team that that is just playing its best volleyball. Um, you know, heading down not only you know down the stretch in the postseason, but the second half of district as well. Uh, and we were talking before the podcast. There was 
you know, the first loss to Prosper in district, the three-one loss in the first round of district play, kind of set off the slump that Plano West went on, mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of ended. They lost to Plano, and it's like that loss to Plano somehow just woke them up. They just sat around and said, "Why? What are we doing? We are so much better than this. Um, we should be playing more like we did at the beginning of the year." Because at the beginning of the year, they looked like a state champion volleyball team they looked like a, a true contender and we all were you know buying in we were all on the, the Plano West bandwagon drinking the Kool-Aid and then that first round slump came um, and and it kind of you know raised some questions of uh, the youth possibly the the immaturity but you know in that second round you know highlighted by it was a loss to Prosper but it was a 3-2 loss and like a 16-14 fifth set um, against Prosper and that was kind of for me I was at that game and I saw it that was kind of for me the the real um, test for Plano West and the real indication that you know they were back to playing the volleyball that that they're capable of and obviously in the postseason you know it's it's been um, you know just one impressive win after another um, you know pretty pretty easy win over Naaman Forest midway took McKinney down in the third round wasn't even very close and, and that was a match that you know they got swept in the first round of district play um, but I think that that they were a better volleyball team that was just kind of indicative of of how wrong <laughs> whatever was yeah. going on with West was at that time um, but then it really started like you said to get impressive at the at the regional tournament 3-1 wins over the Woodlands and Prosper um, and in the Prosper game one set that was 25-11 so it just <laughs> it it's 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 insane. I mean, it's when you look at the roster and the talent they have, especially outside with with Joe Presley and Amon and Jai, There's so much talent, and they're just so they're so dominant, um, you know, on the kill. And and it, it takes a very special block to deal with those two. And and Prosper presented that I think in the three one win certainly, and then in the three the three two win um, as well. But man, there's just not much you can do when, when Presley, I think, had 28 kills um, in this recent win over Prosper to make the state tournament. Like, And I talked to Erin Kaufman at Prosper, and she literally said, she was like, everything she touched just fell. Like, there was nothing there was nothing we could do. So, man, it's it's going to be interesting to see at the state tournament because, obviously, all four teams that are left are, are really, really good and playing really good volleyball to even get there. But there's there's not an argument out there I think that that you could make that a team is hotter than West. I mean Flower Mound has beat some really impressive teams so maybe there's some equal footing there but West is going as good as anybody man it's it's scary. If there is um, one team though that might be able to match them from a momentum standpoint and a team that kind of I don't say they came out of uh, you know came out of nowhere so to speak I mean Justin you've been on the uh, the Flower Mound war wagon all season yeah. long with the uh, with the job that the Lady Jaguars have done um, and sure enough they've uh, been able to capitalize on that uh, on that momentum and yeah. a uh, an impressive impressive playoff is this their first ever state tournament appearance? first ever state tournament appearance yeah and they will let's see they will take on let's see this Northside O'Connor yep Northside O'Connor yep. seven o'clock Friday right after the Plano West Ridgepoint matchup so. Uh, yeah, Justin, you were out there to see uh, them them slay the uh, slay the Lady Dragons of South Lake yeah, in the regional a, finals. I had a, lo- a local regional tournament. You guys were all out of town, your teams, but I got to go check out the Lady Jags. And I think when we left on Friday, leaving the office after football, you guys asked me if I thought they could beat Carroll, and I said, "Yeah, definitely. I think they're going to whoop them." <laughs> <laughs> and they they smoked. You're going on the record now. <laughs> they, they smoked them. Like, um, I just can't say much enough about how they dominated them like yeah. uh, so from they lost the first set 25 22 and then midway through the second set they're tied flower mount goes on to outscore them 75 to 32 the rest of the match they won the second set 25 17 they won the third set 25 13 they won the fourth set 25 12 at one point they won 16 out of 17 points they won 10 points in a row to close the third set then they came right out and took a 13-3 lead in the fourth set so they had won 23 out of a 23 to 3 run and they pretty much led by double figures the whole fourth set 23 to 3 in the the regional finals against state ranked South Lake Carroll they went on a 23-3 run a 15 to 1 run a 10-0 run it was just and they were getting it from every everybody. Like Angelique Sear was playing awesome. Kaylee Cox, Emily Merrick, they were dominating at the net. They were putting balls down. Big digs from Sarah Martinez. Um, how about this well-rounded game from uh, sophomore Kaylee Cox? She was second on the team with 19 kills to Angelique Sears' 20. Then she also had five blocks, and she also led the team in digs. So <laughs> pretty impressive all-around <laughs> game there. Um, but like you said, yeah, they um, this team has just been giant killers. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't say, you know, we all had them thought they would make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, but I think most people had them behind Capel and Hebron. You know, at the start of the district season, 
you know, they win the district, beat those two teams, then they take down Byron Nelson, state ranked, then they beat this uh, state ranked El Paso Coronado, and then they take down state ranked Carroll, so they're just slaying ranked teams, and now they have another one in O'Connor who, uh, if I recall, I think they made the state tournament last year and lost in the semifinals before uh, Takedi Seven Lakes, who mm -hmm. ended up playing Hebron in the championship. So um, experience over there, they're making a second trip in a row to state, so it should be a good uh, good match. But like you guys said, this Flower Mound team is on a roll, just like Plano West right now. Yeah. It'd be great if we could get an all-star local media. Yes, that, would, that would, would be fun. I'd say it's, uh, I don't want to say it's likely, because you never know what could happen. All four of these teams, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know much we, about we Ridge Point or O'Connor. Yeah. They, they may be doing the exact same thing and just, you know, dominating everybody they play. But, you know, from our perspective, the two teams, you know, West and Flower Mound, just the way they're going, that would be... It would be a fantastic final for sure. I will say this. Uh, markets that I cover tend to do very well. Hebron and Coppell have yeah. won five, combined to win five of the last seven state titles and now Flower Mound's mm -hmm. there. So we'll see if they can keep it rolling mm -hmm. for my markets and tack another state championship on volleyball on there. Ironically enough, Flower Mound and Plano West did not enter the postseason ranked in the state's top 25 yeah. by the Texas Girls Coaches Association. Yeah, we've poked a little fun at that <laughs> those rankings throughout the uh, season in the playoffs. But yeah, I guess they just know exact science, I guess. I don't really know how they weren't ranked. It doesn't make sense to me. But One team that was ranked, and we can round out the discussion with this, a look at uh, our 5A semifinalist, Mighty Lovejoy. Back yep. Once again, their eighth, uh, their eighth appearance in the state tournament. They uh, they come in this with a 44 and six record. Uh, I believe that is tops in the uh, of the four five A semifinalists. Winners of 19 consecutive matches. They draw. Let's see. They draw Dripping Springs. At, yep. Uh, One o'clock Friday. Back out at the Caldwell Center. Um, you know Taylor, you'll be out there watching the Lady Leopards in their pursuit of another state championship. Yep. Just um, talk a little bit about this team and just the role that they've been on of late. I mean, it's interesting because it's kind of the opposite of, of both Flower Mound and West because Flower Mound, you mentioned first state appearance. West hasn't made um, a state tournament appearance since. I think they have one, and that was all the way back in, like, 2007. But, but Lovejoy is obviously the opposite. One state in 2014, state finals in 2015, state semifinals in 2016, regional finals um, in 2017 last year. So it's it's a team that's been there. It's, 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 yeah, like it's, it's, it's not a, a, a surprise that – we're talking about Lovejoy in the in the state volleyball tournament, and and they have kind of just taken care of business pretty much all season. There hasn't there haven't been many teams um, that can match up with them, even at the six A level. I mean, they played Prosper and beat them in a in a uh, playoff tune up. Um, they've pretty much ran through the. Uh, the uh, 5A playoffs, they've dropped, I believe, just two sets, one to Frisco Liberty um, and one to Wakeland, who have been really their only competition, if you even want to, you know, call it competition, because, I mean, it, they pushed them a little bit. I was at that Liberty match, um, and Liberty, you know, they took the one set, they pushed them a little bit in some other sets, got to 20, but it's just not, there's just not really any team out there that when Lovejoy is firing on all cylinders can can hang with them. Um, and it's it's another case of I don't know what Dripping Springs has. I mean, maybe there's, you know, some, some matchup issues or, you know, there's teams in the state tournament that, that are rolling just as much as Lovejoy or just as good. But, you know, we've said pretty much all postseason long that it's, it's one of those scenarios where it feels like it's Lovejoy's state championship to lose. If they come and they play, you know, the way that, that they can play and they fire on all cylinders, there aren't many teams in the state that can hang with them because they have, you know, Madison Waters, senior outside hitter, fantastic, just reliable. Um, you know, Cecily Bramstreiber, sophomore outside hitter, has been fantastic. She does. Both of those, they're listed as outside hitters, but they play all six positions, basically. They just play all the way around, um, and they're fantastic anywhere you put them, and they're kind of like the rock of, of what Lovejoy does, but then they're so talented everywhere else, too. So it, it's, it's literally to the point where, you know, head coach Jason Nicholson has told me, like, he has to remind his, I believe they have a freshman setter, I can't remember off the top of my head what year she is, but he has to remind her, like, we have many, many talented pieces, <laughs> like, don't just always set Cecily Madison, because we can go so many different directions and beat teams so many different ways, uh, but sometimes that duo is just good enough, too, so uh, we'll see, we'll see if they can make good on the potential, but I would say the potential is, you know, if, if they take care of business, then they should they should walk away with a very impressive finish this weekend. The uh, the stars have kind of been aligning in 5A for a Lovejoy Canyon Randall yeah. final, and that could very well materialize if Lovejoy wins at uh, 1 o'clock on Friday, right after is Canyon Randall in Kingwood Park at Humble. Um, so, yeah, we could very well get the yeah. would have been kind of the top two ranked teams in 5A. Canyon Randall's actually been, by the, by the coaches, has been ranked above Lovejoy many, many times, like 1 and 2, so yeah. it's 
it's going to be interesting if that's ended up uh, what happens. Should be a fun week out at, uh, at the Co-op Center. You'll be covering that. Yeah, I will be there for the marathon. I'll be there for Lovejoy, like you said, at 1. Mm-hmm. Plano West is at 5, and Flower Mounds at 7. So I'll be there all day for all three of those, and I'll have coverage of all of them. If you can follow Taylor along, he'll be tweeting out updates, videos from the uh, from his matches at, uh, at Taylor Ragland yep. on Twitter. You're yep. not going to go up on Thursday to see Vanderbilt Industrial? I'll probably have to pass. Sound it's tempting. They're You're taking, right there. On You're right there. Three A semifinal, old Vanderbilt Industrial. You're right there, but And yeah, that is a look at uh, yeah, it's a nice little tune-up for the state volleyball tournament in our neck of the woods. Actually, little news in our neck. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. five minutes down the road. Nice. Yep. Don't have to drive all the way down to Houston or San yeah. or Austin for this one. So awesome. Um, yeah, that's a look at um, yeah, state volleyball. We've talked some state um, some uh, high school football playoff previews and whatnot, and that will do it for this edition of the Star local media high school sports podcast taylor justin appreciate y'all tagging along ditto for kendrick brian and devin folks you enjoy your week and we will talk to y'all later thanks for checking out this edition of the star local media high school sports podcast brought to you by performance food group they deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country their mckinney office is currently hiring class a cdl drivers order selectors and many other entry and part-time positions for more information you can visit their website at pfgc.com careers or you can call 214-491-3130 that is performance food group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.